The Old Testament reading for the seventh Sunday after Trinity is from Genesis chapter 2, beginning at the seventh verse. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The epistle is from Romans chapter 6, beginning at the 19th verse. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to, to sanctification and to its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the, of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Clap your hands, all peoples, 
Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is written in the 8th chapter of St. Mark, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to Thee, O Lord. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples to Him and said unto them, I have compassion upon this multitude, because they have been with Me now three days and have had nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them will come, for some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can we feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the multitude to sit on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, He brake them and gave them to his disciples to set before the men, and he set them before the multitude. And then he had the few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these should also be set before them. And then they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces that were left over, fragments seven baskets full, and there were about four thousand men, and he sent them away. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some really struggle with believing in miracles. It's really a a task, especially among those who are more educationally advanced. Miracles, how can they be real? Although one of the smartest men of the 20th century, a man named uh, Freeman Dyson, the one who invented the Dyson sphere, the Dyson tree, a mathematical physicist. He said, The more I examine the universe and the details of its architecture, the more evidence I find that the universe must have in some sense known that we were coming. John Polkinghorne, who is also a physicist, a, a, a professor at Cambridge and a fellow of the Royal Society, he said much the same thing. He said that I cannot see what sense there could be other than the will of the Creator when He looks at the world and natural laws and mathematical and the mathematics upon which the universe seems to be based. He said God is not whimsical. It's, it is steadfast that He is the very antithesis of the arbitrary magician. In other words, God's wonders, His miracles are precise. They're for a reason. I mean, just consider the earth, right? The earth is positioned at the right distance from the sun, a little bit closer, a little bit farther away, and it could not support life. It's in the right place, not too hot, not too cold. The temperature variations are kept within reasonable limits due to the nearly perfect circular orbit of the earth around the sun. Temperature extremes are further moderated by water vapor and carbon dioxide and what we know, know what we call the greenhouse effect. The moon revolves around the earth at, at, at 24,000 miles, causing harmless tides that actually help keep the oceans fresh and healthy for life. If the, if the moon was too close to the earth, the tides would overwhelm the land twice a day, that the continents would literally, literally be underwater twice a day. If it was too far away, there would be no tides, and sea life would die. The earth exists on a 23 and a half degrees off the perpendicular, 
which enables us to have seasons on the earth, which enables plant life to grow and prosper and food to be grown more efficiently. There's atmosphere, its ozone layer protects the earth from lethal ultraviolet radiation from the sun. Our magnetic, our magnetic field protects us from gamma radiation from the universe. The earth's size is a perfect physical size to support life, affording a careful balance between gravitational forces essential to holding water and atmosphere and atmospheric pressure necessary to sustain life. And the true primary constituents of our Earth's atmosphere, 78% nitrogen and 20% oxygen, with a little bit of other elements involved, is a delicate and critical ratio to maintaining life. None of these things do we find on any other planet in our solar system. Our, our planet is utterly and absolutely unique. As Dyson said, Freeman Dyson said, it's as if the universe knew we were coming. Yes, as Pastor read in, in our Old Testament lesson from Genesis, yes, our world was designed for, for man. It is a miracle. And so why is it so hard to believe in miracles then? If, if we live literally on a planet that is created by a creator to be a miracle, why is it difficult to conceive that this same creator, born of the Virgin Mary, right, who comes and is teaching in the wilderness for three days, and the 4,000 men who are with him have nothing to eat, that he would not then feed them with just seven loaves and a few fish? How's that hard to believe? It's not hard to believe at all. It's not hard to believe that in those days, as we read in our gospel lesson, that the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, that Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion upon this multitude because they have had nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, for some have come from afar. What is Jesus telling us or showing us by these words? What's his miracle telling us? in feeding the 4,000 after this. I think what Jesus is telling us is, is the, the critical nature, the importance of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, and also in Luke. Yes, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, which is something that most of us struggle with, right? You know, I mean, one of, the greatest, one of the greatest excuses we give for, for denying ourselves God's word and his sacraments is work. I must work. I've got things I have to do. They're so important. And yet Jesus shows us by these, the 4,000 he feeds in the wilderness and also in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus shows us that if we place him first, we put God's priorities first, that he will indeed give us this day our daily bread, that God will be faithful. I mean, he showed that in the Exodus, right? The Exodus. You know, more than a million Israelites are out in the wilderness, and yet he feeds them every day for 40 years. He gives them water, potable water to drink every day for 40 years. Their clothes does not wear out. No, as Jesus made very clear when the devil tried to tempt him to create, to take rocks and turn them into bread, Jesus told us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. This is the same reason why when he was a guest in the home of Mary and Martha and, and Mary was sitting at his feet hearing him teach and Martha became frustrated with her sister because her sister wasn't helping. 
so Martha confronted Jesus and, and, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Are we worried with many things? Are we neglecting the one thing that is the good part? Worried about all so many things? Right? See, I'm convinced that Jesus feeds the 4,000 to teach us that we are not to live our lives working for food that perishes, but for food that endures into eternal life, which the Son of Man will give unto you. Yet tragically, it's usually the opposite. We deny ourselves the food of God, the food of everlasting life, the bread of heaven, the certainty of salvation, because we are so obsessed with other things. We're, it, it, we're so often, I know from personal experience, I, my faith is being choked out by the weeds. The weeds of this world's cares. And so I deny myself the comfort of God's word, even though I'm a pastor. And many of you do the same thing. Don't deny it. And so we skip church. We deny ourselves the bread of heaven for the stale crumbs of earth. We, instead of fasting from this world and its things, we fast from God and his gifts. We offer feeble, worldly excuses. And what has it this, and how has this profited us? What benefit has this given us? You know, as the poet A.E. Houseman once wrote, he said that, that ale can do more than Milton can to justify God's ways to men, but in the morning it's really just a lie, isn't it? Truer words are never spoken, and Houseman was an atheist. No, these 4,000 who followed Jesus were eager to hear his words. And God was faithful to him and God for, to them. And if you do the same thing, if we do the same thing, God will be faithful to us. He will. He, he gave thanks with them. He Eucharisted them, literally. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and then he took the seven loaves and he Eucharistine. He, he, he gave thanks and he broke them and he gave them to his disciples. This is, this is holy communion language. And he set it before them, before the multitude. And they ate and they were filled. They ate and they were filled. But the word there, it just translated better, I think, in the ESV, is that they ate and they were satisfied. That's what the Greek word means. They were satisfied. How often in our lives on this earth have we been able to say, I am satisfied. 
I mean, even we Americans, North Americans, who have been given so much compared to, you know, our brother from South Sudan here in the front row. You know, he, some of you were in, some of you did come to Bible class and you heard his presentation, but many of you weren't there and you didn't hear it. But, he, you know, he's the bishop of the Lutheran Church in South Sudan. Nathaniel Bull is here. And we Americans have so much compared to him and his church who would love to just have a car to visit the parishes, for instance. And yet we're dissatisfied. I'm sorry, brother, I didn't mean to hope I didn't embarrass you. It's the truth. One of their, um, their, one of their, their school is called St. Augustine, the children's school. The namesake of that school, the, the original St. Augustine of Hippo, when he was preaching on this very same text 1,700 years ago, he, said, he asked this question rhetorically. He says, are you hungry? In other words, do you want to be satisfied? Then look to the fragments and the baskets, the seven baskets full of fragments, because those baskets, St. Augustine writes, these fragments have not been lost, and these fragments represent the benefit of Christ Jesus. They, they represent His Word and His sacrament that are given to us, that come from the feeding of the 4,000, then coming down to us now. That is their significance, that these fragments have not been lost, that Christ is conveying to us this very day His gifts in abundance for us, so that we too, like them, might eat of that which Christ gives and be satisfied. See, that's the reason why we're unsatisfied, because we eat of that which is not of God, thinking that it will bring us happiness. And it does not, it does not. But we just think, well, we just don't have enough. Maybe we've had more. But it doesn't give us satisfaction. No, we need to eat from the fragments of that which Christ blessed. And the fact that he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them, right, points us, as I said earlier, to the Eucharist, to the Lord's Supper, because it's from his altar that we see and taste that which gives us eternal satisfaction. Because we know in that, that under those veils of bread and wine, we are eating the body and blood of Jesus Christ that he sacrificed for us upon the cross when he took our place upon that cross and died the death that we deserve. And then now he gives us the forgiveness of sins his death has earned for us under the veils of bread and wine in the Eucharist. And we know this. We know this because God's Word tells us, tells us so. And God's Word never lies. Yes. Yes, this, this is the miracle that is a greater miracle than the feeding of the 4,000. The miracle of Jesus Christ's own body and blood given to thousands of generations of believers as a gift of grace, a miracle greater than merely feeding 4,000 with seven loaves and a few, few, few dried fish. So, come, eat. Eat of that which Christ gives you with thankfulness and be satisfied with the forgiveness of sins and the certainty that you have eternal life. That the worst thing that could happen to you this day is that you not die and go to heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen.